our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Christmas. Welcome Christmas. to For the Girls Podcast. Hark, we're coming at you with another episode of Little Women Material. So this is for all you little women who love book adaptation to films. This is a podcast for queer people who are obsessed with female performers, female authoresses, female filmmakers, and women living in the Civil War. This is a podcast for people who want us to change the name to For the Kikis, My this Queen. Is po- <laughs> this is a podcast for uh, Merrills, Marmies, and Megs. Ooh, you did. That was a good one. <laughs> Thanks, you babe. Prepped. Prepped and prepared. Prepped and prepared coming at you. Um, Live on Christmas Eve. It's Christmas Eve morning that this episode dropped. Oh my gosh, it's Christmas Eve morning. Oh, good morning, Christmas Eve. And who do we have with us again this week, Well, who are you? Who are you? Oh, I'm Nick Westray. (laughs) Who are you? I'm Kiki Dot. I'm Jason Black. And And who are you? Here we come, wassailing among the leaves so green. Devin Kawaoke here. Ready for, your, ready for some Christmas cheer. Yeah, our resident little woman fag stan. <laughs> I love it says but just three little boys talking <laughs> about <laughs> a bunch of that's bunch of little whole, women. That's the whole concept of the podcast, Jay. Yeah. <laughs> it's still it's still just it still really is just gives me the giggles that like so let me tell you what I thought <laughs> about little women. <laughs> So Little Women, the movie, comes out, the new version, directed by Greta Gerwig, comes out, I think today, probably, in most theaters in New York, officially tomorrow on Christmas Day. But this is our review, recap of that and the 1994 film. So welcome. Merry Christmas, everybody. How are you guys? How are you feeling on Christmas Eve morning? Yo, yo, to be in a world where you get to go to the theater and watch Little Women, like, that's... Uh, so exciting to I me. I mean, really, it's just a dream. I feel like you know, it's it, it's perpetually Christmas in the book. It's just like this is this is it. I was watching the movie next to my Christmas tree and just loving life under my blanket and my cup mm. of coffee. I mean, come on, so much hearthness, so much hearth fireness. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's hearth warmth. madness. Yes, <laughs> hearth is going to be my next T-shirt. It's my new gender is yeah, hearth. hearth. <laughs> oh, I love that. I identify as a I identify as a Christmas hearth. I bet you know I, I bet Celine Celine is all about like rising from the ashes. I bet Celine Dion is a full hearth. Like a mm-hmm. very fashionable hearth. She's like a Hermes hearth. <laughs> wow, I got <laughs> Let's go down that road for like 30 minutes and then see where we go. Do you think Celine Dion could play Marmy in the musical version of Little Women? I say yes. Yeah. Okay, but like let's get more inspired. What if she played Amy? 
She is kind of a full Amy. Celine Dion is a definite Amy. I also could see her being such a hammy Aunt March. I don't know. The way she beats her chest is kind of like Joe. Oh, yeah. That's true. But the way she wears fashion is very Amy. She's always in Paris putting on the newest fashions. You all. Celine needs to be the new Peter Pan. Come on, my Mary Martin realness. Oh, shit. I'm so into her being a Joe. I'm into her being a Joe. She can fucking crow. She can fucking crow. She can crow. What if she was a Joe and everyone was age appropriate except for her as Joe? (laughs) That, oh. Oh, Oh my gosh. Don't give out our trade secrets because people are. I love how December and Christmas month has just turned into full Celine Dion month on this podcast. Of course. (laughs) Every month um, should be Celine Dion. I mean, I want a Celine Dion advent calendar. <laughs> Every time you open a door, it sings that little like uh, Hallmark card song, like r- speaker system. Oh, this mm-hmm. is Christmas. <laughs> That's my. Was that a Kermit the Frog or my Celine impersonation? <laughs> Can't even tell. Okay, guys, Little Women, the movie, Greta Gerwig. We um, saw starring. It. Should we? We saw it. We saw a screener cop, a little press screener copy. So we didn't get to go in the theaters, but I think I'm going to go back on Christmas Day. Yeah, we I'm should definitely going back. Oh, you are? Yes, I'm going to go. Yeah, see I've got to see it on the big screen. Yes, I got to see it on the big. screen. I guess we should call it to order. Let's. Okay, this is our film. This is our film club. Let's call it to order. <laughs> call to order the film club. So we watched it. What do you think? Yay or nay? I mean, I think it's a big yay. It's fun. I loved it. I loved everything about it. I cried four times. Four times. I'm obsessed with it. I wrote them all down, too, because you know I love to take my notes when I'm doing it. I'm completely obsessed with this movie. I am going to say that, like, I, I, I don't, I think it has a very strong POV from Miss Greta Gerwig, who I think is a fucking genius. Also, she's the best friend of my first boyfriend ever in the world. Um, I know. They were um, childhood friends. Um, but I think she's just such a talent. I'm so happy that she is directing films and putting her mark on the world. I just love her, how she sees the world and... Her kindness and her everydayness is contagious, and I wish Hollywood had more of it. I think she's just a fucking genius. I'm kind of going back and forth. I think I just realized this morning or last night that I would see it again, but right after I saw it, I was like, that's it. I'm probably never going to want... I don't need to... This is... I don't need to see this again. I think it was... I think I really applaud the, the big swing and the fact that she wanted to kind of put her stamp on this mm-hmm. but for me i think it i think it misses mm. i think it mi- i think the mark is i don't think really for me i don't think it lands i don't think the story in itself lands the way why that. is that i think she might i think she she she's able to really capture like how how our lives are just slices of life. <laughs> Nick and I love that term. <laughs> Michelle, my mother, is always would always like sit us down and be like, here's this movie is a slice of life. <laughs> like you have to experience. She's all about us experiencing other lives. Mantra. Yes, it's a slice of life. And so I do I do love that she captures that, right? That like these moments are inter are, are interchanged with our future and our, you know, past and our present and like it kind of we're all kind of we're created by these by these things, but I think with that, and I actually think, don't you all agree that I think she hews way closer to the book than the ninety four. Yes, one. I think. Well, uh, interesting, closer to the book in events like uh, right. scenes and stuff, 
but actually I thought further from the book in its actual telling of the story. And so, so I thought that's, and so I think she, with her kind of keeping in all of the events, she actually loses the, the, the character and the romance of these characters. Mm. Like every character has such a romance and fire and, and life that's like kind of brimming and it's Christmassy. And I lost that. I feel like I lost that. Oh, I did not. I I was so thrilled by the editing, the way she sets up the edit. So basically, okay, also spoilers. uh, We're going to tell you everything about this movie. (laughs) She Okay, but yeah, spoilers. Beth doesn't die in any either of the books. So no. (laughs) Spoilers. Beth outlives them all. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Beth kills them all. Beth fucking buries every single one of the fucking marches. Fucking little and take smokes a cigarette on their grave. Yes. The next, the next Little Women we're gonna do is a full on horror story where Beth is in Beth's massacre. Okay, no, but let me set this up. She Greta Gerwig does this framing device, which I'm obsessed with, where she basically starts later in part two of the books with Joe in New York and Amy in Europe. And the kind the kind of parallel romances between Joe and, as we called him last week, Fraulein Bear and Amy and Lori, and then flashes back. And only once does she use the, like, the title cards seven years earlier underneath. And the rest of the time she flits back and forth between present and past in this very fluid way. And she does it with costuming and performance and storytelling in this way that I was never confused about and always I just thought it was so powerful to me how she went between the time periods and and mixed up time like that. And it felt like a memory. It felt like putting the story all together and why Joe was going to tell this story in the most creative kind of dynamic way that didn't feel so beginning, middle, end copying the book. And I loved it. I was all, I'm well, first of all, I'm all for a restructure. Love a restructure of an old story. I wondered what the experience would be to watch it without having seen the 94 version or the, or read the book. Like, I wondered if you could, I thought that. if you could keep yeah. track of what the story of what was happening. Um, I'm sure you can, cause they must've tested that. Um, but I want like, as a person who really knows the story, I felt very, like, insidery. Like, I was like, oh, interesting choice. Oh, interesting mm-hmm. choice. Um, I felt like the restructuring really, fe- uh, like, really landed when, um, in a couple moments, one, when uh, Beth dies, or doesn't die and does die, that match cut of her going Oh, down the that, th- those two experiences, right, being right, tied up with each other, mm-hmm. is amazing. Sobbed. Sobbed. Loved that. Um, I also thought it really landed uh, with that going into Meg's wedding. Like, really beautiful. Loved that. Mm-hmm. Like, loved sort of that Beth was still alive um, in that restructure. Also, the bookends of of um, Joe pitching her bo- uh, pitching her first stories to um, the wonderful Tracy Letts. And then also... Uh, doing it at the end with her own book and keeping the copyrights. I thought that was like really satisfying, really moving, cried um, in all of those moments. Where it really missed for me was sort of in the building of the of the of 
watching them grow up and seeing the relationships develop. I feel like I sort of lost Beth and Joe's relationship and how close they were. I felt like I sort of missed Lori and Joe's relationship Mm because, like, Lori and Amy were so in love at the beginning of the movie already. Like, there were just, like, a couple things that, like, the movie sort of takes for granted that the book really Mm. takes a long time to develop and is, like, the heart of what... uh, I think, like, the fact that Joe is so um, not in love with Lori, but just sees him as a brother is so important, but it's important to also see that they are like the best of friends, thick of thieves. And I feel like we miss that. In I, this restructure. Oh, I feel like we, I, my, my thing was, I think Greta added all of these amazing little moments, but I also thought like, what if I didn't, what if this was the first thing I saw and I was to, I was asked about the characters afterwards. I don't know that I could tell you anything really about Meg or really even much about Beth. Beyond Beth, I could be like, maybe Beth was sick. Oh, Joe was a writer. Amy was I, an artist. But like, I, I don't feel like there was a lot of those kind of smaller personal moments. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I don't feel I like mean, I got I, enough character. I got so much of the Joe and Lori, the Joe and Lori scene, the dancing scene in this version. It's so much longer and more rich. Uh, then I remember the 94 version being, and I just love the dance. I love when she put it, how she really put it outside and them going by those windows like they did in the book. And that was so, I think that's and it was also so scenes. Christmas and so uh, just rambunctious and their spirits together and their bodies, like throwing their bodies in the air like that was so much fun. Oh, sorry. I didn't know anyone was here. Not at all, so stay if you, if you like. I won't disturb you? No, I don't know many people here. I felt rather strange at first, mm-hmm. you know? So do I. Miss March, isn't it? Yes, Mr. Lawrence, but I'm not Miss March. I'm only Joe. And I'm not Mr. Lawrence, I'm only Lori. Don't you dance? I don't know how you do things here yet. You see, I've spent most of my life in Europe. Europe? Oh, that's capital! <sighs> shouldn't use words like that. Says who? Oh, Meg, she's my older sister. Here. She reminds me to be good, so Father will be proud of me when he returns. Where is he? He volunteered for the Union Army, and I wanted to go fight with him. I can't get over my disappointment in being a girl. Joe, would you like to dance with me? I can't, because I scorched my dress, see? There. And Meg told me to keep still so no one would see it. You can laugh if you want to. It's funny, I know. I have an idea of how we can manage. That moment really shows their characters that they both kind of enjoy living outside of society and they they appreciate the wildness of each other and the youthfulness Mm -hmm. of each other. But I just, I somewhat lost. Oh, and oh, come on, Timothy Chalamet. I love As Timothy Chalamet. Oh, I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting some, I'm getting some. I, you know, Christian Bale was my first love. What are you going to do? Oh about yeah, it? can't do anything. What about, about watching my love? Christian Bale? So okay, I so watched that this morning, and I was not into Christian. Okay, yeah. So we all rewatched it last night time. or this morning. So I love that we're st- both all on the same timeline. So give me because I also found Christian Bale to be a little skeezy. Ah, uh, he well, he does yeah, get a little skeezy. skeezy. He gets he's skeezy. a little he's skeezy. To me. But I think that's what's great about it is that he gets a little like he gets. Like, Amy has to be like, you gotta grow up. And he grows up into that mm-hmm. goatee. Right? Yeah, I don't love that goatee. That was a weird choice. But mm-hmm. I think that's because they wanted to age him. But but whatever the case, I, I, 
I'm I'm just I'm that that original Lori that scene when they're it, this is the '94 version when they're at the fence and he asks her to marry him is just heart wrenching. I'll give you every luxury you've ever been denied. You won't have to write unless you want to. Grandfather wants me to learn the business in England. Can't you see us bashing around London? I'm not fashionable enough for London. You need someone who's elegant and refined. I want you. Teddy, please don't ask me. Teddy, I'm desperately sorry. I do care for you. With all of my heart, you're my dearest friend. I just can't go be your wife. You say you won't, but you will. I won't. One day, you'll meet some man, a good man, and you will love him tremendously. And you will live and die for him. Please. You will. Joe, I know you. And I'll be hanged if I stand by and watch. Winona Ryder is just a blessing in that in the is that your, version. Is that your Joe? Winona is, is that my your Joe. Joe? Winona is forever. Is it not me? Yes. Sersha is my Sersha is my Joe. Battle Royale of Joes. I am a hard Sersha and Sersha and Timothy scene is so much longer and more Ugh. expansive. Can, but can, oh, can I wait? So let's just go to that because I think that expansive is the right word. I think that the nineteen uh, two thousand nineteen version is uh, very wide. There's a lot of space in that movie. The house mm. is bigger. The landscapes are bigger. Like everything they shoot has a lot of space, and it's very picturesque. It's very uh, like yeah, it's gorgeous. The yeah, scenes at the beach. Like, oh, yeah. stop my heart. Exactly. And the the movie so the ninety four version is very cozy and sort of cramped. There's a lot less. Mm. Space involved, which is like a sort of an interesting visual, like as far as like how it makes you feel, right? And I think going yeah. back to the dancing moment, I while I loved the choreography in uh, the Greta Gerwig version, I um, felt like that moment dancing at the party between Lori and Joe was a little um, emo for me. I felt like I felt the time. I felt like what, like I felt like it was made in 2009, uh, 2019. Mm, and yeah, I feel it, did. it wasn't. And if you watch the 94 version, that scene is very funny. Like the two of them are just romping in a dining room, laughing at each other and looking at, he's looking at her dress. It's very charming. But very. <laughs> I just think th- that scene is so funny in the ninety in the nineties version. Okay, but and... can we get can we get to the Joes to the to the show? I mean, I want to split the middle. So Nick, you're 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 Joes, you're Sersha, Sersha, my queen, Sersha Ronan, and you're the my way Lady Nona. Bird in a long. Who, dress. by the way, if Sersha, if you're listening, I love your work. I love your work so much. It's just that I prefer Winona Ryder. See, I want to cut the middle because I. I love Winona's. You're a Catherine Hepburn girl. (laughs) (laughs) Inside joke. I'm. um, I. 
I love Winona's um, energy and just thrill of play. Like, she's wacky. She's like, Joe is wacky. Joe's kind of goofy and sentimental and, like, super emotional. And Winona is giving me that. And Sersha is giving me the serious Joe. The, like, Joe that really does want to be great and has greatness in her. Yes. And is, like, willing to fight for it. So, But, but... But both of them are kind of lacking in the sense that, like, neither of the films really show, talked at all about her tomboyishness. And the book is, every time Joe opens her mouth, it's about wanting to be a boy. And I really kind of feel like they, they slack on that because I think that that's such an interesting character mm. part. So I feel like both of those, those, I feel like that aspect is lost from both of their performances. See, I feel like in Greta's version, Sersha is talking a lot, a lot about how she wants to be a boy, especially at the beginning in the first couple scenes where she's uh, with Laurie and actually that right before the dancing scene, she's talking about that. I can't get over my disappointment in being a girl. But in the uh, Susan Sarandon version, Winona is, uh, uh, is more playing the boy's part in the sense that she's always has that, she'll have that uh, mascara, not mascara, eyeliner, you know, beard and thing. And she's that looked like a marker. Pirate. I was like, Winona, you done, you done got into them. You got into the permanent markers again, sweetie Petey. But I, but I, I think that the reason my vote is for Winona is that her, her face is overly, it's almost like, it's her, uh, her face is overly expressive in the sense that she, she really wears her emotions on her sleeves. And that to me really mm-hmm. captures what Louisa May Alcott wrote about Joe is that she is not at all refined. She does not, uh, hot, wear a mask at all. And Sersha, though driven, I think is giving a very 2019 perform- Oscar winning performance. You know what I'm saying? Like, she's like very simple and grounded and doesn't have sort of the theatricality that I think is captured in the book. But I think what she does that so I feel like Sersha did that. I just thought she was so bald and honest and guileless and she was always showing her emotions. And like that part that really killed me was when, you know, when Joe has that kind of breakdown and she says like, what is, what's wrong with me? You know, when she's, she and Marmy, this is like one of my cries is when she, that we talked about from the book, she and Laura Dern have that scene where they talk about her temper and all of that and their understanding together and her ability to connect with her mother in that way was so beautiful to me. Her and Laura Dern's connection in the movie, I love. Yeah, so if she had died, it would have been my fault. She'll be fine. Doctors said didn't even think she'd catch cold. What is wrong with me? I've made so many resolutions and written sad notes and I've cried over my sins, but this doesn't seem to help. I get in a passion. I get so savage. I could hurt anyone and I'd enjoy it. You remind me of myself. But you're never angry. I'm angry nearly every day of my life. You are? I'm not patient by nature. But with nearly 40 years of effort, I'm learning to not let it get the better of me. I'll do the same then. I hope you'll do a great deal better than me. There are some natures too noble to curb and too lofty to bend. Lord Is Lord Dern your marmy? Is Lord Dern your marmy? Um, I, you know what? Even though I call her, 
iconically on this podcast, I only refer to her as politically problematic Susan Sarandon. Don't. Susan Sarandon is still my marmy. Though yes. I love Lord. Hundred percent. I love Lord. Yeah, I want to. Yeah, I will only break into it because I actually thought because after finishing the book, I was really like, "Whoa, this is kind of Marmy's story." And I think prob- one of my biggest slights was I think Greta doesn't focus enough on Marmy. Exactly. Like I don't think yeah. Greta shows enough that Marmy is really kind of leading her troops into the future, into their lives. Um, and as good as Laura Dern is, she doesn't. She's not present enough, and I do feel that that Susan Sarandon and Susan Sarandon can just anchor. You know what I mean? She is such an mm-hmm. an anchor of a of a actress, and she just holds the frame so well with um, her little women that I really, yeah, Susan's my marmy. Susan's just an iconic fucking marmy. Well, and our first our first introduction to Laura Dern in the movie is her walking back from the Hummels, and she's wiping away a tear. Um, uh, like, because she's just visited poor people, right? And so she, we know that she cares about poor people. And then, mm-hmm. or no, that's not our, is that our first introduction? Or yep. is our first, in, yeah. Well, it's when Marmy comes home on Christmas yeah. and right, she's right, been right. over to the Hummels. And then yeah. she sees her daughter. And then there's just sort of, and so I, I like that. We we set up the fact that, that Marmy is, cares for people, right? But then the next time we see her, she's sort of like the goofy hippie mom who like has all these daughters and like Lori comes in after the dance and she... And ice. Lori, how are your ankles? Do you need ice? No, thank you, ma'am. Just call me mother or Marmy. Everyone does. And there's no sort of poise or like... like uh, if if they were like a tether ball, like there's no stand, there's no stake in the ground holding holding everyone together. And something I love about the introduction of Susan Sarandon, first of all, the hitting of the boots is iconic on that door, knocking that snow off her boots, and then walking mm. in and uh, Kiki yelling "Marmy's home" and running down the stairs, and them all coming in to hug, and there's just all that chaos around that warm fire. Marmy, you're frozen. Yes, if you could see the people lined up outside of Hope House in this bitter cold room, your cheeks are so warm. And then she's like, Miss Amy, what do I have in my pocket? And she pulls out that letter from Father. And the first introduction we have is that setup of the given circumstances of the father being gone to the Civil War, and they're just... Now, Miss Amy, what is this in my pocket? Father! (laughs) My dearest family, I am well and safe. Our battalion is encamped on the Potomac. Potomac. December makes a hard, cold season for all of us so far from home. I think of my girls day and night and find my best comfort in your affection. I pray that your own hardships will not be too great to bear. Give them all my dear love and a kiss. Tell them I think of them by day. Pray for them by night. Poor father. I'm a selfish girl. Oh. Also, they're hugging, and if there's something just, like, uh, she's really, Susan Sarandon is really the center and of it, that movie. And it establishes how, right away, that, that, that just that in that frame, they all are cuddled together and touching. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
which and I, so here's here's one of my thoughts is that Greta loved this book and grew up on this movie mm-hmm, she and she did. didn't want to make this movie no she did so she didn't want to tell use yeah. all of the frames and story devices that this movie uses but and she I had a couple it, she had a I, couple homages to the movie I thought like like my hair moment was very similar uh, and yeah. the hair moment with the curling iron, very similar. She had a couple moments that were just like exactly like the Winona version, and I loved that because it shows that Greta's a child of the '90s, right? Just like absolutely, yeah. Oh, 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 yeah, Greta. But also with that hair, mo- or or with when um, Winona cuts her hair, I was like, yes, '90s realness, mm-hmm. Bob cut. Mm-hmm. I was that was like, a '90s Bob. That was a straight up. Winona was like, yeah, but let's make it hip. Let's make it still like. <laughs> She's like, I thought Joe's hair. I'm looked, about ready to bite on reality. So looks like, super hip too. Yeah, I liked. Both I loved Sersha. Oh, but com- I liked them. But how, I, what I love about in the '90s version though was fully how much Trini Alvarado and did I say that right? Yeah, you did. Yeah, I did. Trini Let's Alvarado. talk about Miss Trini Alvarado. I want to talk about justice for, for my Miss Trini. A gift. But how much a gift to us? But how much Trini and Winona really did look? I feel like that was very anchoring for me. They really did look like sisters. Are like this is an inspired casting for me. Like, um, and and Trini looked like the older sister. This is my problem with Hermione Granger. Hermione Granger looks younger than Saoirse, and I can't imagine. She looked younger than Amy. It was really hard to get over, right? Like, I was like, I couldn't Everyone looked younger than Amy. Yeah. Yeah, Amy was was Miss Kathleen Turner. This was her Celine, Amy. Okay, so we're talking about Florence Pugh, who I think is magnificent in the movie. younger than Amy. But they make the... But they make the choice. Oh my gosh, we're flitting around so much. They make the choice to have one actress play it throughout, which has its... Which makes me, which made me more connected to her when she's older. Because in the original, I'm not connected to Samantha Mathis, and I just miss Kiki Dunn. Oh, it 100%. is horrible. Um, and this, and Florence Pugh as old Amy re- was like to me the to me one of the best parts of the film. Yes. So, so there, it's a really hard way to break that down because I, in my, I was just like when 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 Kiki. When Kiki turns into a whole nother woman, I was like devastate. I was like first in shock. I was like, "Who this girl? Right? <laughs> who this? Like, oh, who who's sitting next New to Marmy? Who this? Who, who's Marmy? Get up! Like you've been cradle robbed. Um, and and yeah, that that didn't that kind of wasn't no. And I was not here for that. I think one of them, I think Mm. I understand why Greta made the decision to cast the same actresses throughout their whole lives. But I feel like what we miss is sort of the dynamic that the book really captures, which is that there's a really big age difference. They, yes. And that, and that, that makes a difference Mm -hmm. in how they interact. And I think the Susan Sarandon version really captures that in, uh, with casting a young Kirsten Dunst, who uh, I think captures, um, young Amy very well in a way that I both hate and love her, right? Like when she, when Kirsten Dunst throws that throws that, or actually we don't even see her throw the manuscript into the fire, but it just happened because when Joe looks at the fire, it's like right there, burning away, and she can even leap in to almost grab it, and Susan Sarandon stops her. I would say like this is at the height of Kiki's powers. <laughs> But she's never come down. She had just been a vampire. She she had just been an iconic, um, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, how many career, you know, peaks can this little child get into? I mean, I am just in awe. Kiki Dunst is just, don't get, I'm about ready to pop off the cork. 
This podcast is for the Kikis. I, I am a, I am a, I'm a Dunstan. I love it. I'm a full. He's a, he's a Dunstan. I just, she sparkles and shines and, uh, I, she just, she just livens up so, so much. I mean, uh, Kiki does everything but, for me and my, this is my Amy. This is truly reading the book. I had Kiki in my mind. I love with, Kiki's scenes with Lori, how they, they set that kind of up. I don't want to die. Never even been kissed. I've waited my whole life to be kissed. And what if I miss it? I tell you what, I promise to kiss you before you die. I I still struggle with that whole romance, y'all. We didn't really get into it in our last last week's episode about the book, but that I I think um I think uh, Louise Alcott kind of. She does the best she can, but I don't know. It never lands for me. It, it's never quite. I never. I don't know. I. I don't know. Maybe it's just like I don't. I. I, well, I Joe or nothing, kind of. But I think. I think what you're landing upon is that it actually is not. It's. It's not perfect. The fact that I think in in a perfect world, Lori and Joe would be together, but Joe doesn't love him. You know, and like. So it even in the book, I think it's even like you guys have switched places in my heart, but it still feels like Joe is still always going to be the first choice. Louisa May Alcott doesn't really give that up. In the book, in the book, though, she does. There's this moment in the book where um, Amy finally realizes it's once they're back home and they're married. Like there's this moment where Amy finally realizes that Laurie doesn't, isn't still obsessed with Joe. And it was like the first time she's released from that jealousy. And Louisa May Alcott spent such a long time doing that in part two and like setting that up and like letting the courtship be slow and towards each other and complicated. And I kind of love that, you know? Yeah. It's complicated. It's not perfect. Also, they do set it up in the fact that Joe finds out about the fact that they're together before they come back. Yes, Which that I, was a big flop for me in this movie. I understand, Greta, that it is more dramatic to have Saoirse find out in the moment, but it was a hard corner for me to turn. Ugh. How's Amy? Did she bother you all the way from Europe with her preening? Yes, but I like <laughs> Where is she now? Did she not come straight home? We wanted her down in Banks. We stopped on the way. There was no getting my wife out of their clutches. Your what? I've... Done it now. It's meant to be a surprise. We were engaged and we were hoping to wait, but that is to say that now we are man and wife. You and Amy? Yes. Are you in love? Yes. Joe, I want to say one thing and then we'll put it away forever. I've always loved you. But the love I feel for Amy, it's different. And I think you were right about this. I think we would have killed each other. Yes. I think it was meant this way. Oh, Teddy. You're the only one that ever calls me that, Joe. Teddy. What does Amy call you? My lord. That sounds like her. Well, you look deserving of it. Could we still be friends, Joe, please? (laughs) Of course, my boy. Always. Also... Also, I really, I really did not like Joe leaving the note in the thing for Lori to try. No. I really thought that no, was ma'am. against Joe's character. It, re- it, it, it happened, and I literally gasped and grabbed my pearls and thought, no, 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 don't do that, Joe. 
I mean, and it was a great, it leads to that great moment where Joe gets to tear up the letter and put it in the pond. And Greta does build kind of a new narrative thing there. But it goes to my other flop. My main flop with this new movie is Fraulein Bear. Mm, is my main flop. Because it it wasn't, it, because of where she puts the break in the editing, which I love, it doesn't allow the her relationship to Friedrich to blossom mm-hmm. in a way that feels like we get to know it. You know, I get, and she, that both movies, his coming back is the surprise to her. Whereas in the book, she sends for him. It's her agency to have him come. You know, she, she writes to him. She, no, she reaches back out to him. She's like, I know I'll write my little professor. And then he comes back and he makes up some reason he had to be in town. But she reconnects to him. She reaches out to him, you know? Well, and, Car- and there is agency in that. And she thinks of him. And she th- that development of that is Joe's and not his will. Correct me. I mean, correct. I don't think that I, what I think it truly is, though, is missing. And, and see, the, my thing is that, that going back and forth, I, I'm fine with like retelling a classic story and, you know, using that device. It just. It, I actually kept being removed from it, and I didn't find it intentional enough. Like, I don't know that it it created enough um, uh, feeling for me. And I think, yeah, like you said, that was lacking. And she never actually adds in that moment where he's teaching her, and they're able to kind of have the, those small, you know, um, discretions between each other. Those little moments of being like, oh, look at this you know, and she doesn't add that. So there's never really a kind of thing of like, why do you love him? What what entices you about his brilliance? And what I think well, is... Except that he's a fucking snack. And she casts this fucking like Euro, Euro model who's exactly the same age as Joe. So you're like, she uses the sex appeal to just make it happen. And he does kind of have an indie movie sexy vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Which that, is what the whole film has sort of has. Yeah, but he's supposed to be, like we said, older and a little bit homelier. Like Gabriel Byrne plays it in the 94 version, mm-hmm. I think, to very great effect. Yes, I think so, too. I think I think also what the, uh, the 94 version does is that they allow that relationship to develop, to develop in a really natural way. And you see Joe sort of change the minute that she meets him. Um, and that, that actually goes, what, he, he lifts her up. There's that moment where... They're in the um, like a salon with a bunch of other thinkers, and he interrupts the other men so that she can get her voice in, and mm. um, and then she learns to have a voice. And I think uh, you know because in the book she, he really he he comes back and sort of like doesn't say that he's there for her, right? There's like sort of like he right. keeps visiting, and there's like a feeling that maybe he is. But then he was, and he's waiting for the moment when she says, oh, I really like you. And that's what happens in that last moment under the umbrella, right? At the end, which is reference. But what I do love about the 94 version, as far as um, Friedrich is concerned, is that he insults her with the 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 her writing right and it and with the mm-hmm. novel that she's written and then she gets the news of Beth and so she leave they leave that's on bad that's a good terms. connection that's and, a good and, right I thought that was really smart they leave on bad bad terms and then uh, Friedrich actually comes to Concord sort of as an apology but also as a plot device with the book 
like right because she's written yeah. the March Family book and comes with this great news and so it is sort of Joe's will right it's Joe's genius that brings Bear back with not only an apology <laughs> but also her creative work like her greatest life work and I find that moment yeah but he it kind so of gives him I love responsibility when you say brings Bear it back. gives <laughs> brings Bear back <laughs> um, it, but it kind of gives him a little more responsibility for the book happening in a way that I don't really like. Mm, because he gives it to her editing, his editing friend. Yeah. I do think that yeah, this is... Yeah, and so he's... Whereas in this new one, I love the whole sequence. I'm obsessed with the whole sequence where Joe is like, I'm going up to the attic to write my great work. And she just hammers it out. And I love Laura Dern coming up with that little soup and a sandwich. And, and sitting down away. with her. No, she sits down with that- her. I do think that this is also where Greta is trying to not do the move the same beats as that first movie because mm-hmm. the movie does create that that's not in the book where she you know all of a sudden gets a letter from Beth and go and runs home after the fight like, right, that's right, not right. how that actually plays out right. but I, so I do I totally see Greta being like I want to carve my own like that was obviously manipulated for a movie you know here's okay for, so here's I have a, I want to have a couple threads but here's kind of what I was thinking with both of them. This book is so long, and there and it's really kind of played out episodically, mm-hmm. with like just like little vignettes almost, and little scenes, and they all attach and they all kind of continue the story. But I really see this living as like a mini series. I feel yes, like the reason please. why these bo- why these movies, we, we, I think we mentioned that this book is pretty fucking long. It's like five hundred plus pages, and. There's just so much, so much, so much. There's so much to kind of get into. And I think both of these movies struggle to tell each character's story. I think Meg keeps getting lo- gets lost in both of them, honestly, because maybe it's not the most interesting. But yeah, I think a miniseries is the hot, oh. my hot take. Yeah, I mean, it'd be mm-hmm. so great. A whole like a six-hour a six-hour miniseries. Yeah, you could get your full jelly. You could have a whole jelly episode. <laughs> we right. could have. Oh my this, gosh, this is a miniseries. Mona Lisa Smile is a miniseries. <laughs> Palms starring Diane Keaton is a miniseries. <laughs> well, everything we like, just make it longer. But I really do think that I really do think Little Women could could be like a great HBO PBS like six-parter. Yeah, like yeah. Exactly. Where you get to really, like, it, it kind of get really invested in all of these women's lives. I'm in. So, yeah, I'm in on I'm it. I'm in on that. Um, so, so, do, so do you have, everyone has a Meg, right? I assume. We all know we have a Meg. I think we yes, all have Let's go back to that because we promised it before yeah. to talk about the great Trini Alvarado who plays Meg in the 1994 version. And she was really the second great gift to dark haired actresses of the 90s after Winona. Well, My goodness, her hair is so gorgeous. What is going on? So that's there? a little bit of an extreme thing she was saying. So do you know why we love our, our, our girl? Why? Trini Alvarado also stars in the film Stella, which is a 90s remake of the classic film Stella Dallas with Bette Midler. Yeah, She plays Bette's daughter. Can you kind of see that? I don't know. Um, Yeah. But no, Trini Alvarado was in lots of stuff. 
She was also in a great a horror movie we loved at the time called The Frighteners. Girl, that was the last thing she was really in. It breaks my heart. I was going to be like, Nick, do you remember The Frighteners? Of course. Well, she was. Do. She she had a little part in the in Little Children with Kate Winslet. Oh, that's right. She was like right. the neighbor in that. That's she kind of right. came back. Yeah, I don't really know what she's been up to lately, but she was a big '80s queen. I, I think she's also a triumph in this movie in a way that is just like she really captures Meg's. Uh, Meg's homespunness while also capturing her want for the finer things, right? Well, I think both films do, again, I, I said this, but I think both films kind of don't know what to do with Meg so much or like, mm-hmm. you know, like that's because I think you can exercise that story and and not, you don't quite need it to tell like the core thing of Little Women because mm. her thing is so aside, her thing is so separate especially mm-hmm. when she gets into the house and has all of those like little wonderful moments. But but I do think Trini really does do a, like really kind of sets sets you up a lot with what her character is. This kind of woman who tries to be prim and proper but then really falls in love with John. Is his boring ass name John? John. He's very John, handsome yeah. in the Greta Gerwig version. Oh my gosh, the new he upgrade. is a fucking upgrade. snack upgrade. and a half. Uh, <laughs> yeah, upgrade from Eric Schultz. Fucking Great. I was like, fucking put me in that little house, and I won't buy any silk. Yeah. And that door will always be open for that, all your friends. I, that was it. That was a bomb to me. That moment in Greta Gerwig's version, where she was like, "I didn't buy my dress. I bought you a coat." It's like that's there was a, so much more of a beautiful way of just of doing that. Yeah, I think there yeah. is a whole movie to be made about Meg in some ways. Like the, Meg really so not, justice star- for not Meg. starring not starring Hermione Granger, no. please. No, though Hermione not really did Hermione. capture. Also, did... we're being rude. She has what? a human name. Captured what? Hermione has a human name. I thought Hermione just okay. in her in her essence captured her uh, uh, Meg's sort of um, petulance and emotional outbursts because there are times in the book where Meg covers her head with her skirt. You know where she's sort of like overwhelmed by like needing to meet society's uh pressures that she sort of implodes and i think hermione um in her essence has that sort of in her inside her man all i kept writing was like hermione is dour hermione gives some shitty ass advice i was just like not into it i was just like damn she was just always in like a perpetually bad mood which mm. was also my, I know this isn't diva positive, but it was also my kind of thing with her in Beauty and the Beast. I was like, why is Belle always in such a bad mood? Like, I thought she liked Yeah, books. she was giving me, she was giving me some of her Belle stink. I was definitely feeling <laughs> some, like, Belle stink on that, um, on this, on this character. But I also didn't love how, there, there, I didn't, uh, gosh, another thing that I wasn't quite vibing with on the movie was I didn't love how... Um, Lori was such like and ever, Lori like says to her she's like what would Joe think I was like y'all the book doesn't paint Joe as like um, the the best a person the best the person that you rely on for opinions like Joe was the one that was wild and crazy like no one was referencing Joe as the um, uh, fucking what's the word like pinnacle of moral arbiter no it's it's that's Marmy. That was Marmy. Yeah, yeah, no. In You'd fact, be like, you're Marmy's girls. I think Meg is more afraid that Joe will make fun of her. You know, that Joe will just not let, like, will, you know, give her shade for the next two days. And so doesn't want Joe to know. I do love that, that even right. in the book and in the movies, though, you're like, oh, is Lori and Meg going to be an item? Like, is that mm. where that's going? Yeah. You know, like, mm-hmm. are they at this Well, that's party kind of the cool and... thing in this story is, like, Lori could go to any of them. 
you know, in the book. Because there's that whole fake out we talked about last episode with Beth. Like, does Beth love him? Does Meg love You know, it's like, it was a possibility kind of floating through that family. Like, who is this handsome boy next door going to love? 100%. Uh, do we, uh, uh, should we, should we go down that road? Do we have a Lori? Do people have a choice? Oh, I mean, Chalamet, I think, was so great. I thought he was so great. He was so passionate. The camera loves that face. Uh Uh-huh. You all know I disagree. I just feel like, (laughs) I feel like... No, we know. know. Christian Bale's just got those little chicken teeth. I can't deal with it. Oh, he's a snack, but... I think Christian Bale just captures sort of like a sneakiness that Timothy Chalamet didn't have. Like, sort of like with that moment with the glove where he releases the information about, like, how John Brooks has the glove and he... He tweedles his fingers all over the book. Oh, yeah, they didn't really do that at all in the new book, that whole glove lots. Yeah, and there's that whole moment where they're walking behind Meg and Mr. Brooke talking after the opera, and they're, like, sneaking up with the opera glasses and, like, like, mm-hmm. like seeing what do they do. Like, it's National Geographic. It's just very – he's very fun. Let's yeah. talk about our best cause, because my girl Claire I like Danes, this new Beth. This new Beth is really going down your road, though, because, you know, she was the road? crazy girl in Sharp Objects. She was a fuck she, in sharp object. She plays a psycho killer, mm-hmm. and so this Beth had a little bit more of that um, unhinged element uh, that you okay. like in your Beth. Absolutely, but my Clara Danes <laughs> is giving me test screenings for the ring. Am I wrong? No. <laughs> Does she, y'all, do any still of Beth's face, and it looks like she's about ready to crawl out of a TV? I could once I got that thought in my head, I could not get it out. It was, Did. Did you all read that big New York Times article where they interviewed all the women from the 94 movie? No. No. What? It's really good. Yeah, we'll post it. It's called like an oral history of little women. And Claire Danes talks about shooting the death scene. And she went to like a hospice and studied people to like find the death rattle. And she did all this stuff and they filmed it. And then what do you know, like two months after they wrapped, they were like, Claire, we have to reshoot the death scene. (laughs) Really? And like something, they were like, it's not your fault. It was like something with the lighting, something happened. And they had to just go back and redo the whole scene. I, so, and she said she, she was actually like glad for it. So I, I think Beth is, I think Beth is fairly, is very much uh, a plot device in the Greta Gerwig version for Joe's experience. I feel like mm. um, that also could be said in the 94 version, except that I think Claire Danes really, really just brings every scene fucking home when she gets to talk. Even when she's not talking, she's she sitting barely in the talks, corner. But... Like when she's holding the cat and like playing the Countess de, Me- de Menescu. I love like that. Like it's such a cute little scene. And she's like, she says one line. I'm just like, I know exactly who you are. She lets, she tells Kiki, she's like, you could play the cat. Yeah. It's like, that's such a, that's a me. That's a me thing. I'd um, say that. But, but I will say like the, the, I cried multiple times last night watching this watching the 94 version for the hundredth time because okay ladies this little woman the 94 version is my sick movie whenever i am sick i turn Mm. it on and i it makes me feel better warm it's a warm movie it feels really warm it's like chicken soup for the soul so like i and i still cry every time i watch it and it's always in those beth scenes the uh, the first one is when she gets really sick, right? And they're all worried about her. And she does a great job being sweaty and sick, by the way. And then when Susan Sarandon swoops in like a mother hen to save her life. Cricket. Mommy's here. 
Joe. Joe, fetch a basin with vinegar, water, and some rags, Meg. My kit. Let's draw the fever down from her head. It's all right. It's all right. That moment makes me weep, like weep. Mm. Something. I'm about... saying though, Laura also gave it to me in that moment though, when she was like, change the linens, and then she like holds her. She's come here, sweet girl. Mommy, bless you. Mommy, she's worse. I didn't know what else to do. Joe, how is she? Hi, girls. Hey, sweet Pat. Anna, make a clear broth, and Joe, get ice. We need to cool you. We need to change the linens. That also got I was like, oh, what, Laura. What I was living for, though, which only Greta shows, is when Joe takes Beth to the... Oh, I'm getting a little... To the fucking class, beach. To the beach. And she... Oh. And not in the book, not in the first movie. Greta adds this, and I just love it so much. It's like the tide going out. It goes out slowly, but it can't be stopped. I'll stop it. Stopped it before. You will get better. Father will get better. And we'll all be together soon, all right? We can't stop God's will. Well, God hasn't met my will yet. What Joe will shall be done. They, and it's Joe's idea that if she just tries hard enough, she can make it all right. And she can, like, mm -hmm. s you know, stop the inevitable. And just that, just... Uh, that's one of my favorite movies from all the films. Was that on the beach and her holding Beth and, like, with the sea you know we love. Mm. You know we love someone dying on a beach. My, mm, but, yes, we do. Yes, we do. But my argument, my, my, my devil's advocate to that for the other movie is that Beth gets those lines in the, in the Winona version where she says, I'm, This is a line. Why does everyone want to go away? I love being home. But I don't like being left behind. Now I am the one going ahead. I am not afraid. I can be brave like you, but I know I shall be homesick for you, even in heaven. Oh, I won't let you go. Oh, my job. In only a way Claire Danes could do. Like with that, with that quivering lip, and just like how tragic. Like she's like, I'm uh, always the one that was left behind. I was always the one that was going to be scared to left behind, and now, yes. and but but it's with death. I'm going to be the, the queen. first to go to death. She's the, she's the queen of the lip quiver. And then a wind, and then she and is. then a good old wind comes in, and out goes Beth. <laughs> See, that's a flop for me in that movie. Is the, is the walking over to the window is a flop? You know, but you read and that. Then she turns. 
you, you, she turns around and then she's like dead. I was like, this is a flop. <laughs> oh, yeah, I liked, I, it. I liked it. I mean, except that I, you know, I felt it that way great. until until last week when you read that um, read that quote, which actually ca- captured that moment in the book. Oh yeah, that's true. It's that's in the true. book. That that's one thing I will give to both films is that they do capture little moments in the book in really sneaky ways that only if you've read the book you would know. Right. I know, like. Greta weaves in like like the ideas of like the grandfather who has died, who Joe's named for, and marriage. Like the way the little themes she weaves all the way through the movie, I think are really really great. I love that we got into the Lawrence's house too. Uh, yes. So Chris Cooper, oh, kind of like a slight MVP in this movie for me. He was really crushed me, like as Mr. Lawrence. I would, Captain Lawrence. I wasn't sure when I first met him, but I thought he really stuck the landing on the last scene. Yeah, and I love the kind of reordering to put the piano right at the realization that Beth is sick. Sir, I wanted to thank you for... You remind me so much of my little girl. The piano is yours. I should have given it to you long ago. Thank you. A child, you're burning. The Hummels are very sick. They put those things kind of, Greta weaves those two moments oh. together mm-hmm. so beautifully. Though I, yes, I, uh, though I love the 94 version when uh, Beth walks in after being sick and is, they're like all decorating and Amy can't hide, find, figure out how to. But wait, Dev, do you, do you the like the 94 version though? <laughs> Shit, girl, I pulled all these clips from the fucking Greta movie, and you're going to make me fucking pull all sorts of fucking clips from that 94 version now, and I am pissed. I'm like, Devin's making me do so much more work. We're supposed to talk about the fucking Greta Gerwig movie because it comes out today, Keep all and this she just bitch. can't shut up about Susan. <laughs> we had her to, st- is, we had her to stand Devin's on her little women, and she Susan. did it. She stand on the things that she loved the most. This we had this fan on, and he wanted to talk about what he loved. loves instead of what I wanted to have him talk about and he ruined it he did the thing we asked and it was ruinous <laughs> um so i have so i i have i have but i i i do choose mm. an older amy which is i think francis pew is just i think she's the mvp oh for sorry me. i not francis pew florence pew i'm sorry apologies florence pew flow she is the older her older amy is just stunning and i love the way she captures you know i don't love the when she's playing younger amy because no. it feels a little sort of um, you know, acting school uh, transformational, you know? Like, it feels like it's mm-hmm. asking us to believe in a theatrical uh, element that it just doesn't work on film and television. But I think that uh, when she... The, the moment when she's a kid that I most love is when she says, I want to be a painter and spreads her arms out so wide. And I feel like that mm. tracks through the whole film so beautifully to when she gives that beautiful monologue to... Um, uh, is it Lori about how she has to marry well because I've always known I would marry rich why should I be ashamed of that there's nothing to be ashamed of as long as you love him well I believe we have some power over who we love it isn't something that just happens to a person I think the poets might disagree well I'm not a poet I'm just a woman and as a woman there's no way for me to make my own money not enough to earn a living or to support my family And if I had my own money, which I don't, that money would belong to my husband the moment we got married. And if we had children, they would be his, not mine. 
they would be his property. So don't sit there and tell me that marriage isn't an economic proposition because it is. It may not be for you, but it most certainly is for me. Right. So good. It's so good. Well, because he tries to do, like do this like kind That's, of man yeah. lecturing her, and she's like, "Oh no, no, yeah. no, no! Don't act like I have options. Mm-hmm. Don't treat yeah, me she's like, like I'm don't like tell you. me what don't tell me what my options are. You rich man who has more money than God, who gets to do whatever he wants, and I'm a poor woman. Yeah, don't moralize to you. me. Uh, yeah, is it for exactly. equals? No, she. But that I think that the rivalry between. Um, Amy and Joe in this movie, like artistically, romantically, familially, is such a. I feel like it's the core of Greta's movie in kind of a beautiful and amazing way that it that I didn't even think about when I read the book. It's incredible. Yes, I, you know, there's a story behind that monologue, which is I think when Greta and I may be getting this wrong, so this is all hearsay. Um, when Greta pitched the movie of Little Women to Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep was like, this is the reason why, what, this is the reality of what, what it was like to be a woman in this time. And she went home and I think that's the monologue that came from that conversation was Amy's mm. monologue about that, um, which, uh, which I love. And I think, I think it's, it's clearly Greta's POV on this film because she really, you know, that whole last scene about... Um, like what, who's, who gets the copyrights, how much percentage, you know, it's clear that there's something like, so fantastic that scene, right. About women getting to own what they own. So I get 5% of the profit, 5% of the net profits after I recoup. Well, what about a payment up front? I'm the one taking the risk in printing this book. Yes, but, but, but it's my book. And if it does well, we'll both make money. If not, I can stay in business. So I get nothing if it fails? No, I'll give you $500 right now to buy out the copyright. Copyright? That's the right for reprinting, that sort of thing. Sequels, characters for other stories. Mm, Might that be worth something? Well, uh, only if it's a success. I see. It seems like something I would want to own, no? Didn't you say your family needed the money more immediately? Yes, they do, which is why I wanted upfront payment. No, it's too risky. I'll only pay for the copyright. You keep your $500, and I'll keep the copyright. Also, I want 10% of royalties. 5.5%. That's very generous. 9%. 6%, and that's it. Mr. Dashwood, if I'm going to sell my heroin into marriage for money, I might as well get some of it. 6.6%. Done. And you don't need to decide about the copyright right now. No, I've decided. I want to own my own book like people, which is also articulated in the 94 version when she said, when they're talking about why women, women should, uh, Winona says women should not vote just because they are good. Women should vote because they are people. Right. Right. The, um, that was the other, my last cry cue in the movie was actually at the end when I love that Greta ends it with her watching her book getting printed. Oh, like the idea of like her artistic achievement, like that's Joe's great accomplishment right there. Like her art is her accomplishment. That's what drives her in life. Not being married, not, you know, anything else, but this thing. Right. But I, it's so beautiful. Totally. I agree. I thought it stuck the landing. I do want to play devil's advocate on that mythology though, of her writing the book. Well, both movies kind of allude to that. They, they, they write that Joe writes little women. Both movies do it. And sort of show and sort of lead us towards like women, like, like there are, uh, you know, 
we can create and have jobs and be going towards uh, greatness in our profession, right? Like it le sort of leaning towards that. But I think in the book, what I love is that her happiness comes from creating the school with um, her husband and taking care of all those boys and sort of like finding happiness and caring for the poor. And I feel like that's really the spirit mm. of what Miss um, Alcott was going for. So it's interesting to me that both that's true. Film version sort of went towards more of a career-driven Joe as opposed to a right. marmy Joe. Oh, and doesn't and a Greta's service, version service-driven Joe? Service-driven Joe. But, yeah, yeah. But Greta's version shows more of the school, even though I do think she amends it and says she wants a school for girls and boys mm -hmm. in Greta's version. But she does. But that. But for the win on that on Greta's version was the whole ending. To me, that was for the win for me. Oh, so good. The, oh, the, when all my, the sisters come together and Marmy's there and, you know, they're, it's kind of the apple scene at the very end of the book. Mm -hmm. The other, the other part I just love so much is when Saoirse says, when they're finally in Aunt March's big house. I should sell it, but I'd love to do something that would really make Aunt March turn in her grave. I wouldn't mind that. A nice turning, just a rotation, nothing terrible. <laughs> and then she and Amy have that great conversation walking over the yard where Amy is like what about writing what about it what are you working on I started something but I don't think it's very good everyone likes what you write no they don't I do well it's just about our little life so well, who will be interested in a story of domestic struggles and joys it doesn't have any real importance does it Maybe it doesn't seem important because people don't write about them. No, writing doesn't confer importance. It reflects it. I don't think so. Writing them will make them more important. When did you become so wise? <laughs> I always have been. You were just too busy noticing my faults. Well, which were never there, of course. <laughs> and I was like, oh, fuck. It's this kind of beautiful moment with the two of them where they're coming up with this idea. It's really, oh, it's my favorite part of this new movie. My, I thought, uh, my favorite part of the new movie is a very small moment, um, which is when uh, uh, Professor Bear starts to play the piano um, yes. in the parlor. I was, I'm getting for Clint just thinking about it. I thought it was really moving to bring music back into the house and to feel like, not that Beth was being replaced, but that sort of like she was there in some way and that he um, was destined to be a part of the family in some way be mm -hmm. and that he can play music and fill the house again with music. This is a beautiful instrument. Which one of you plays? Oh, it was my sister Beth. We all play a little. But none so well as her. It is very hard to lose a sister. I'm sorry. Do you play? Yes, I do. It would make us so happy if you play now. She wouldn't want the piano to sit silent. Ooh. I don't wish to offend. Not in the least. for Beth. I mean, I just, like, I think the thing I'm really taking away from, like, having just really, di di uh, you know, 
dive deep into this book and watching these movie, watching one movie again and watching one movie for the first time is how much that the spirit of Beth is really um, important to its the emotional journey of this book and like mm-hmm. how how the love of her and her love is just um, really a backbone for how we and a backdrop for how we experience everything. Yeah, and how grief informs our lives and our families. That was my third time I cried in the movie was when was when Fraulein Bear sat down at that piano and it was it's a, it's an amazing moment. Amazing. Like what what genius. I oh. I feel like there's other that's an improvement I thought on all the other stories and I also thought another improvement that was actually in both movies is that the book has Beth get better um before Marmy comes home. And I think, you know, like her fever breaks and then Marmy comes in. And I think mm-hmm. both movies really, that is an improvement upon the original book. I think the fact that Marmy comes home and takes, brings Beth back to health is really, like shows her superpower in a way that is really beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, the one, the flop for me that both movies miss is that when Beth wakes up, you know how Joe puts the little rose in the little vase next to her Oh, so bed? what she sees so first when she is wakes that... up. Marmy's face and that little flower. I'm amazed that neither. It's such an amazing visual in the book that I'm amazed neither movie picks up on. And yeah. yeah, you know what else I could have used is a little bit of shading to Beth is like when Beth's pets would die. Remember they do that in the first of the book, and <laughs> yeah. Beth is just like beside herself, and it's actually so funny how because like, she kills it. Yeah, she kills the little bird, and it's just so lol because Beth is a fucking psychopath. <laughs> And so I just wish that that would have been in it a little bit more. <laughs> Though I did, there was a little cute little oh, sneaky the ba- shot. The bath hives, the bath like... hives are going to come for me, y'all. I'm going to be so attacked on social media. Bath army, yeah, it's the bath army. <laughs> But they did have a great little shot in Greta's version with Beth just like iconically feeding her dolls some soup. And I was like, this is everything to me. Oh, but I love, oh, but I, oh, oh for the win though, what I actually, one of my favorite scenes, and I, because I don't remember the 94 version at all. And, and when I watched it was when Hannah um, sprinkles the roses oh. all over Beth's bed and then puts them on her mm. little dolls. And then just that, it's just so, I love when films just slow it down. And then just throw Hannah's hand grabbing the doll's hand and giving it a squeeze. Oh, I'm getting shivers just thinking about it. Mm. So precious to be like, you know, there's still a part of Beth here. And this is my way of reaching out and still being able to touch her. Because the book was really clear about that. They kept all of Beth's stuff. I love that. Oh, like, yeah. Like, still, they were like, the, 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 <laughs> it's actually it's so pathetic, but it's like, the dustpan that she used, we never got rid of. It's like, well... <laughs> Okay. 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 Good job. Well, I guess that was best one of, besides dolls. Her other favorite thing to do was shuffle around <laughs> like dust. Um, but... <laughs> I think. So. Okay. Let's and let's also shout out to Jillian Armstrong because the original the ninety four was also made by a woman. Yeah. Hot. 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 Which hot, is fucking hot, cool. I love. Which I, love, I that, love. Yeah. I mean, I just and that was not easy in nineteen ninety four to get that movie made and to get it nominated for that many fucking Oscars like she did, no, which is amazing. But I feel so grateful that like some shitty man didn't direct. Little women. I mean, I know, right? They are, but I guess. Well, let's not walk out. Let's not walk out on this without talking about Diva Supreme Meryl Streep giving us white face and fright wigs <laughs> and, 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 and iconic sitting. She lo- She was. She was sitting. You mind yourself, dearie. Someday you'll need me, and you'll wish you had behaved better. 
Thank you, Aunt March, for your employment and your many kindnesses, but I intend to make my own way in the world. Oh, well, no, no one makes their own way. Not really. Least of all a woman. You'll need to marry well. But you are not married, Aunt March. Well, that's because I'm rich. And I made sure to keep hold of my money. Unlike your father. Well, so the only way to be an unmarried woman is to be rich? Yes. But there are precious few ways for women to make money. That's not true. You could run a cat house or go on the stage. Practically the same thing. Other than that, you're right. Precious few ways for women. That's why you should heed me. I mean, you know I deeply identify as an Aunt March. And I love Meryl in this movie. She was having so much fun. So she was one? having so much also, fun. Also, yo, like, I think, like, a really great way of showing Laurie was when Laurie jumps up on the carriage in France. Uh-huh. And Meryl's like, ooh, ooh, get away, child. Like, I, like <laughs> you know, like, that, that relationship was really, really well established. And I, I that was, I think, one of my, one of my uh, favorite moments. I, and Amy was really clear about, like, that Lori was family. I loved that whole thing. I agree that he kissed. He kissed her, right? Or he like does? He kisses Aunt March. Kisses yeah, Aunt he kisses March. her. Oh, what are you looking at? Oh, I love Z. We need to oh, be something. Oh, oh, no, no, come to the New Year's Eve party. It's a ball, and everyone will be there, including Fred. Pick me up at the hotel at, at eight. The Chevron. Oh, oh, Lori. Dress for festivities. Top hats and silks. I will. I wear my best silk. It's Lori. I know. It's just so, only in a way Meryl can do it, like sort of playing a long beat before she actually delivers her line and moves her head a bunch of times. Um, mm-hmm. I do want to give a shout out to Mary Wicks, though. Well, Mary Wicks is an icon of the First Order, too. <laughs> yes. But she's kind of the friendly Aunt March. Who plays the Aunt March in the First She plays the funny sister act Aunt March, right? She's like... And yeah, she's like jolly. Like Aunt March sings fucking deck the halls with them when Beth gets a piano. Right. In a way that like I was like Aunt March is but I was I'm always here for Mary Wicks singing Deck the Halls. If you guys don't know, Mary Wicks is one of the nuns from Sister Act, but she's also the original Mary Poppins. And she's also plays Meryl's grandmother in Postcards from the Edge. She's also uh, in uh, 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 A White Christmas, another holiday movie. She plays the... She is in White Christmas. Oh my gosh, she's a secretary. Oh, yes. Yeah, she's literally yep. in... Once you, so this is one of the actresses that you don't know her name, but when you see her, you instantly think you've seen her in every single thing that you've ever loved. You join, you join the Mary Wick cinematic universe. Yes. yes. And I think she's, I think she's just charming. They're both charming and they both do very different things as Aunt March. We love Aunt March. Yeah. We, we stand Aunt March in this house, but she gives some fucking serious advice to both Beth and I mean, not to Beth, but to both Amy and Joe. And it's amazing to see how, how it lands on them or how it like changes the, the, the scope, especially of Amy's destiny. I mean, yeah, truth be told, like, Orzlis is like, oh, I'm a Batho, I'm an Amy. Honestly, if I could grow up to be anyone, it would be a full-on Aunt March. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's the, you know, when I turn 30, that's, like, that's kind of who I want to be. Honestly, <laughs> something I'd really like to see, which is not in either film, ver- film version, and maybe this is the new film version where Joe is a little queerer than both of these versions allow her to be, like, where she's actually maybe... Uh, more um, tomboy presenting, do you know? And just like... In a, what version? A new version. A new one version. that doesn't exist yeah, yet. This, yeah. The 2029 version. Yeah. 
I would love to, in maybe the miniseries. Um, what I would love to see is I would love to see sort of a, a, a crabbier, less kind, less smart Aunt March and Mr. Lawrence who then whose hearts change over time. I feel like in sort of both mm. versions, you're sort of you sort of know where they're going to stand all the time. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like you, Chris Cooper's like sort of always nice, always seems to have a heart. Same with the Mr. Lawrence in the '94 version, and I think Mary Wicks and Meryl Streep both, though crabby um, at times, don't ever feel like the real formidable societal pressure that pressure yeah. cooker and that the- I would love to see at some point. And the real threat that they can be. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That they pose for the family. Yes. You know? And I guess this is making me think, because I am not a rom-com girl. I am not. Y'all, y'all, you heard it here on For the Girls podcast. I'm not a rom-com girl. I just don't. I'm just not. I don't, you know, I don't love my, I don't love me my romances. And that's why I really love in the book, to me, what I'm, I'm, I'm coming to terms with it. I think Joe loves um, Fraulein Barr, uh, Bear. Because of his nobility and an intellect, and I feel like we miss mm-hmm. that in both of you know, like where all the other women kind of marry for romance and love, she falls in love with his intellect, and I think that that is also right. very queer and interesting. Like she isn't a romantic character in that mm-hmm. sense, but that is what she's drawn to, is um, is is yeah all that so i don't mm-hmm. know that and that's something and that's a major thing that i was reading that louisa a alcott was fighting with was she really didn't want to make joe into a romantic heroine and that's why when part two came out and everyone was like the big like scuttlebutt all the all the fucking girls at the time who were reading it were like how are laurie and joe gonna get together and she was like uh-uh and it was a huge thing to like not have to not follow the tropes of romantic heroism and the side note i don't know this is so random and like uh, you can this is like in her wikipedia for um louise may alcott she was she was um a notable runner she loved running and mm. it, when it wasn't really appropriate for women to run and so that's why i think she has like joe doing a lot of like that I love a track and field lesbian. Yeah, she was a big advocate for women running. I mean, hello. I, I do love that in the '94 version that Winona is constantly running in that dress. Even in the last scene when she's mm-hmm. running up to Fräulein Bear, it's just like a full out sprint in that fucking dress, and it's so oh, gorgeous. Winona yes. is so wild. I forget how like wack a doodly doos she is. I just love it. I love it. She is a kook. She's a kook. Um, she's so kook. Iconic. Okay. Any last any last thoughts or love for this this Little Women? Everyone should go see Little, little Women and um, you know at a movie theater. Absolutely. And give Greta Gerwig yeah. your money I, because she deserves it. She deserves it. She deserves it. She did great. Uh, I want to say thank you to Greta Gerwig and Gillian Anderson and Susan Sarandon and Laura Dern and Winona Ryder and Meryl Streep and Florence Pugh and Saoirse Ronan and everyone else. Everyone Meryl. else. Everyone else. Meaning Kiki Dunst. Kiki Downs, Trini Alvarado, Mary Wicks, um, even our girl Hermione Granger. She she does what she can. Wait, what was the girl? What's the what's our new best? Eliza name? Scanlon. It's Eliza Stanlin. Yes, thank you, Eliza, from Australia, all the way from Australia to be a little woman. Yeah, do I, I, I maybe we, we're we're beyond this now. Never you wanted you wanted to break down the yeah. What do we think? Of, what do we think about the fact that every everyone is. Of the UK, like no one is American. I can't even get into it. 
<laughs> I didn't think about it. But I mean, yeah. no one is. Well, everyone Laura, is American in the fir- in the '94, and no one is American except for Timothy Chalamet and Marilyn Laurel. Laura. And Marilyn Laura. Um, let's just say, well, we just said thank you to all of them. And what do we want to say to everyone for Christmas? Let's just think everyone's going to be listening to this on Christmas. I feel like we should sing, we should sing, sing out just like the marches would. Oh, I don't know about singing on this podcast live. I don't think that's a good idea. He's talking, he's singing. saying that because of me. Okay, Aunt March. He's saying that because of my, my beautiful, my beautiful voice. I guarantee it. I think we could go out with Aunt March singing fucking Deck the Halls played by Claire Danes in iconic Bethian fashion. Here we come a-waffling among the leaves so green. And here we come we along hope you have a good Christmas, Battle Angels. Love Thanks and for joy come to you Go see Little Women at your local theater. And spend some time with your families, chosen or otherwise, on this holiday. We love you. Woo! Did anyone hear any of that? Yeah, that's just like three little women talking. All at once. All at once. Okay, bye, bye Battle Angels. Bye. bye. Love you. Love you. Happy, happy, happy holidays. Happy holidays. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.